is God. You can have a seat this morning. Titus chapter 2. Appreciate the opportunity to minister to you. And I just want to look around. You know, everybody checks out the preacher, so sometimes the preacher needs to check out the congregation. <laughs> and uh, Titus chapter 2. I, I was going to preach a message that I kind of had been brewing in my heart for quite some time called the Sons of the Prophets. But I I didn't think that was appropriate because I didn't want to leave out the daughters. And kind of the word prophet is more for just the preacher. And I didn't think that was really appropriate either because it's not what I really wanted to say. So the title kind of says what I want it to say. And I entitled the message, Sons and Daughters of the Saints. And to summarize, what I want to speak about this morning is I want to speak about fathers and their influence on their children. And mothers on their influence on their children. And also the saints that we would all conspire in a godly way to bring our sons and our daughters and our converts, which are also our sons and daughters, into the glorious salvation of God. That our families and our churches would be breeding grounds for workers for Jesus Christ. You know, it was 25 years ago in this conference, Kelly and I were new converts. I was exactly the same age as my son Colton and my daughter Ashley, because they're the same age. (laughs) Actually, within a day, their birthday is May 22nd and mine is May 23rd. I was a senior 25 years ago, as, as I mentioned, a new convert in this church. So, it just seems fitting and I hope it gives me a little bit of credibility to preach what I'm going to preach. Because it's exactly what I'm talking about. It's happening in our lives and now in our children's lives. And it's something that must happen in our churches that we would develop workers. And in fact, this text in Titus chapter 2. Thank you. Titus chapter 2. In my Bible and maybe in yours. The, the heading for chapter 2 says, Qualities of a Sound Church. So we're going to read there in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, through about 11. And let's look at it together this morning. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men would be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love and patience. The older women, likewise, that they would be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet and chaste and homemakers and good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God would not be blasphemed. 
Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say to you. Jump to verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for your everlasting word. And in our churches and in our homes, God, you'd raise up our children and you'd raise up our converts to be workers in your harvest fields in these last days on planet earth. In Jesus' glorious name, amen. I want to first look at parents. And I want to point out to you verse 1. It says, Speak these things which are proper for sound doctrine. You know, the whole Bible is sound doctrine. We know that. But this scripture particularly mentions, Hey, listen, this is very sound doctrine. These things that we're, we're going to speak about. This is... As, as I mentioned, the qualities of a sound church. These are things that will help us. And of course, in this text, it's mainly speaking to young adults, but I want to lower the age, if we could, at least to catch all the teenagers. I know there's a few of them in here, and I know that we have teenagers in our churches that might not be here. And uh, in verse 2, it says, it gives some instruction to the older men. Older men be sober. Reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and patience. And if I could insert their fathers. Fathers are older men, aren't they? They're older than their sons. They have to be. It just works that way. But the Bible says that they are to be sober. Fathers need to be... You know, I have a theory. If you're going to be an idiot, don't ever have kids. Right? I mean, at least be an idiot alone so that you're not influencing your children. But fathers are to be sober. Self-control of mind. That doesn't simply mean, you know, not a drunkard. They're to be reverent, serious of purpose and honorable men in our congregations. They're to be temperate, to have self-control. They're to be sound in faith and in love and in patience. These are, what are, these are the qualities of Christ-likeness at work in your heart. It's simply Jesus Christ manifesting Himself in your life and shaping you and making you the quality man of God or a quality father that you need to be. And I personally... Uh, think we need a little more preaching maybe in our generation on the family. And something keeps blowing my notes. <laughs> I'll stand over here. You know, there's such an assault on the family in our generation. And we, 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 we know that. But what we're, 
we're having people coming to our churches. You know, some of you that are, you know, maybe 40 and older, you might have had a somewhat of a family growing up. And you at least there's there's people coming into our they don't know what a mother and a father is. They don't know anything about uh, a normal family. And uh, I don't know, seems that uh, it'd be helpful to give people instruction. You know, marriage, of course, is greatly assaulted. Children are else. Listen, 2 Timothy 3, 2. The Bible says that in the last days, one of the signs of the last days is children would be disobedient to their parents. We're living in a generation that is unbelievably dishonoring and disobedient to their parents. But I thank God in Malachi chapter 4. The Bible also says these words. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. That in these same days that we live where children would be disobedient to their parents, that it's it is just like God to also at the same time say, you know, but I'm also going to do a different work. That I'm going to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers in spite of what's going on in our culture. Verse 3 and 4 and 5, the Bible gives us instruction, says, Older women, likewise, that they would be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet and chaste and homemakers and good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God would not be blasphemed. To summarize, again, I want to make the connection as it gives the specific instruction on older women. If we could say mothers this morning. Mothers, that you would be holy. Not a gossip. Not a drinker. Teachers of good things. Sober-minded. That you love your husband. Love your children. Be chaste, which is... You know, I chased my wife, but after I caught her, I stopped. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that. It means pure from fault. It also means pure from carnality. Keepers at home. You know, to be honest with you, I would love to preach on every one of those, but... They could all be sermons in themselves. But I want to pause just for a second right there. The keepers at home. You know, it is a wicked spirit that is in our generation that would make a woman feel that if she simply stays home with her children, that it's some sort of, you know, Second class, you're stupid and you're ignorant. I'm telling you, it is the most holy thing that a woman could do. 
if she has children. And I say the opposite is that we would lift it up in our churches and say, you know what, what a blessing. I love it. You know, you fill out paperwork and or your people say, well, okay, your occupation, sir, blah, blah. What? And your wife? No, she stays home with my kids. I love to be able to say that. And if you have to work, God bless you and God love you. But but to be a homemaker is a glorious calling. Listen, to be a homemaker, think of it with me. It's to make a home for God. You mothers, you have this. And wives, you can make a home that when your husband comes home, it's like what our brother said, you know, the beautiful wife meets him at the, I actually have a white fence and green grass and a beautiful wife. <laughs> but I'll tell you something else. I worked my butt off for it. And you'll do the same. But to make a home for God goes on, it says that the wives would be obedient to their husbands. There is an influence that parents have on their children. And all that I just said is really speaking in general to the church. Because see, the reality is, 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 and I'll speak about this more in a moment, but not everybody has children or maybe your children are older and gone and and here you are you know and and uh but we all have this you know hillary said it takes a village to raise a children she's full of you know uh baloney but i'll tell you what it does take a church to raise men and women and sons and daughters of the most high god you are not going to do it on your own parents the bible says that children and this, this scripture ought to be lifted up because children are looked at so often as a burden in our culture. And oh, I can't wait till my kids grow up, you know. Well, why did you have them? And you know, whatever. But Psalms 127.3 says children are a heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. So you bring, there's a lot of babies around here this week, I noticed. Babies are cool. They're little people, you know. Tiny little people. But here you are. You bring home your baby. And your godly wife is there to make a home for that baby. You know, somebody said this, and I love this quote. I say it all the time. The training of a child starts a hundred years before the child is born. I want to say also, some of us are, we could call ourselves first generation Christians. And 
We didn't know stuff when we got saved about being parents, about being husbands, about being wives. But I'm telling you what, we are teaching our children things about being a mother and a father and a parent that they're going to be miles ahead of us. And it ought to be that way. We are fighting for things for our children. I remember laying hands on my wife all of the time when she was pregnant. In advance for that baby. And I'm sure many of you have done the same. And when those babies are born, that you're praying for them every single day. Even to this very day, I lay hands on my kids before they go to sleep. Levi's staying at our house this week. I lay hands... Well, any of these kids know that often, if I'm going to bed before them, I'll lay hands on whoever's in my house. (laughs) And... I think uh, it's just what we do. You know, I I could say a piece of advice for you that have babies. Read to your children. Colton was giving me a bad time the other day. Because Colton, he, he doesn't like to read that much. And he said, well, you know, you guys read to Luke all the time. But when Ashley and I came along, you didn't read to us as much. And in all honesty, um, that's true. <laughs> and if I could go back, I would, have, I would read more to all of our children. There's something supernatural about reading. You bring your baby home. And uh, homeschool begins. You say, I don't homeschool. Yeah, you do. The moment you bring that baby home, class begins. Mom is the teacher and dad is the principal. (laughs) You know, it's funny. We make comments about focus on the family. And because sometimes there's this focus on the family in a sense that, you know, soccer practice and little league practice and football practice and the play and, the, and ballet and whatever else it is that it pulls from the kingdom of God. And I don't like any of that. But I say that we ought to focus on the family. And in such a way that everything that we do as a family is aiming those children towards workers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it is the ambition of our life. And we do things on purpose to develop our children to be workers for God. And I'm telling you what, you want to raise up some workers, it starts right there in the family. You know what I think as a fellowship? 
<laughs> Jesse Smith and I were speaking about this this morning. Just in our, in our, we have workers sitting right here all around us. And you know, I'm way into getting people saved as well as all of you are. But I'll tell you what, we have some, uh, some workers sitting right here. You know, uh, John the Baptist from his mother's womb was filled with God's Spirit and was preserved to be a worker for God. We need to uh, discipline our children. And I think our churches need some good guidance with this. Disciples, or excuse me, in Ephesians 6, 4, you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but nurture them. And correct them and admonish them in the Lord. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spares the rod hates his son, and he that loves him corrects him. Proverbs 19, 18. Chasten your son or correct him while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Proverbs twenty two fifteen foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will drive it far from them. And I'd love to preach about, you know, you can preach a whole sermon about lovingly correcting your children and guiding and disciplining them. You know, I just want to throw this in because I, I have spanked my kids just because I don't like their attitude. Well, they didn't really do anything wrong. The look that they gave was worthy of getting corrected. I'm not trying to be funny. <clears throat> I love sitting. We sit. Scott and Stephanie Wagner sit behind us. This is our seats, you know. Uh, <laughs> Somebody stole them last night. I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> I will get here early enough tonight. But I, you know, she's got a couple of little ones and August is, is probably two and a half. And I'll, she, I told her one day, I said, you so totally remind me of Kelly. She'll say things. Do you understand me? <laughs> that was Kelly's line. Do you understand me? And that means I don't like your attitude. And, you know, you're going to be in trouble just because of the look. And because looks, attitudes turned into behavior. Anyway, the thing with the problem, one of the problems with parenting is you learn it as you go. It's kind of a, hard on the kids. You know what I mean? Like... I think the older kids probably get the brunt of all the incorrect things. <laughs> That's why Sam and Patty, they've really got it figured out by now. <laughs> we didn't have near that length of a window with dealing with, you know, babies in different ages. And so we kind of, I'm not sure. But they got it down by now. We're training children for God, I think. And you know, I know sometimes I'm in la-la land. Like, I have this 
glorious ideal about how the kingdom of God ought to be. But that's because that's how it ought to be. (laughs) And you know, if we don't aim for that, we certainly will fall short of it. But oh, that our the culture of our churches would be young, disciplined children with a knowledge of God who can sit even when they're three and listen. And, you know, they might color and don't bring Legos and bring them one book or something. That's another thing, too. But I think we need to do things on purpose for the raising up of our children. You know, Luke's 21. Saturdays for 21 years of his life are outreach. And, you know, we used to, there are times, you know, outreach kind of, you can make it special for your kids. We used to do this all of the time. It was outreach, then Taco Bell. And you know, when they're six, they think that's awesome. (laughs) Now they gag. (laughs) And I gag with them. But I just, I, I think we need to be always lifting up the gospel in front of our children and lifting up evangelism and lifting up, you know, the winning of the lost and, and the work of God. And, you know, when they're little, bring them and help set up stuff. You know, I love seeing the little four-year-olds carrying chairs, you know. It's like, you know, and... It's wonderful. You know, I loved John Foley's testimony the other night. And I said to myself, that is exactly what I'm talking about this morning. He made the comment about the photo that was taken and of the people in the church. And here was Miley and he commented, there were three little girls. Um, I doubt the baby's helping that much yet. But, um, you know, the little kids helping. Pioneer Church. You know, can I just say pioneering is probably the greatest thing that you can do with your children? People are worried. Oh, I don't know about, you know, I don't want to pioneer about the children. Are you kidding me? See, we're so, we just got it all backwards half the time, don't we? It is the, it's not the worst thing that you can do for your children. It is the very absolute best thing that you could do. If you have six, seven, eight-year-olds, you know what you should do? You should just go pioneer anyway, even if you don't want to. Just go do it for like a year or two. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because you will impart something to your children that is unbelievable. And you, and you know, I've actually felt almost, not sorry, but it's like, God, there's something irreplaceable that happens in the hearts of children when you pioneer. And some people don't get that opportunity. So I have a theory for you. (laughs) Just bring them to everything that is happening in the church. Take them on every out-of-town outreach that you can, and they will get involved. Come early and help set up. You know, (laughs) 
Ashley's like six years old. She's helping in the nursery. <laughs> Our kids were all ticked off when they came back to McMinnville because they couldn't even, they weren't, there was a, a age thing for the concerts at that time. And they're like, you know, Colton and Ashley like 11. And they're doing all the worship, you know. They're playing instruments. They're doing nursery, whatever. And they come and they can't even go to the concert. What are you talking about? We were the concert. Maybe we should change that too. We have family, family time at our house. We call them family meetings sometimes. It usually consists of sitting around with ice cream. You can get fat doing this, but it's worth it. <laughs> Somebody asked an old preacher one time. He was the son of a preacher. His brothers were preachers. So there was a family of preachers. And they said, so out of your father and your other brothers, who was the greatest preacher? He said, oh, that's easy, mom. <laughs> See, my kid's mom, I mean, she can preach it. And she does. And they've been hearing it since they were little. And mom, you ought to preach to your kids. I mean, just stink and tell them what's up. I got to move. Wow. Okay. There's the influence of the church. The older men. The older women. The influence of the saints. And not that, you know, you run around and tell all the children of the church what to do. And I'm not talking about that. But oh, that we would fight for the children in our churches. I look at all of these kids in some ways as my own children. I pray all of the time for all of the kids by name in this congregation before God. Not that, I don't want to see one of them perish. You know, to illustrate with you that the church can do things for your children that you can, cannot necessarily always do is Colton's testimony the other night of John Foley. That's what I'm talking about. The influence of other people, the saints of God in the church that so influence your children that it changes their life. That's, that's the culture that I'm hoping to shoot at this morning and that we could have in our churches. That it's not just mom and dad, that everywhere, the whole entire fabric of our church is one of holiness and reverence. And, and there's this ambition burning in all of our hearts that who's, who's going to go out next? What, what of these young people are going to be missionaries and that are going to be preachers? And what others of them will be pillars in the church? Where is my notes? These are old.
already said that. Oh, yes. Another thing. We, we sent an outreach team to Chico and Orville here a few weeks ago. And so Pastor Foley had some of the people share testimonies about the influence and the, you know, the outreach. And so there, there were numbers to over, I don't know, 25 people that prayed for salvation. It was very impactful. And, and so one of the young men, Wesley, stands up and he begins to say that my favorite part was hanging out with Dan McMillan who's an older man in the church. That's what I'm talking about. That is exactly what I'm talking about. So here, these young people go on this outreach with some of the older brothers and sisters. And the impression that is made on his life is not the 25 people that got saved, but he enjoyed being with Dan McMillan, who's a man of God. And that's the influence that we have on all of us. I want to mention something about the first impressions. You know, our converts, when they come, the first impressions, those early months and those early years of their life, our children, I mean, from baby dedication, and I love baby dedications, to graduation. Those are the formidable years of their life that everything that we're doing would leave a good, lasting impression on them that will carry them all of their life. That we would not dangle, you know, college and careers in front of our children, but we would dangle the calling of God. If you're a single parent, and I know there are some of you in here, and I don't want to make you feel bad. In fact, I want to make you feel good. You bring those kids to the house of God. And you rub shoulders with some of the men and the women in the church. And you get your children to know them so they can help you. And you just keep bringing them. I'm telling you what, the Holy Ghost will get on them. And that's my last point. So we have the influence of parents and the influence of the saints. And oh, thank God, the best part. It's the influence of a holy God. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you and sanctified you as a prophet to the nations. Before they were ever born. That is unbelievable. The influence of God. You know, maybe some of you parents haven't gotten to do what you wish you could have done. And you feel like maybe you're not going to be able to. And maybe you won't be able to. I don't know. But oh, you know what? Your kids will be able to. You're fighting for something for the next generation. That they're not going to have to fight. And some of you young people... You might look at your parents with a little bit of disdain. Well, for one, wait till you get to be a parent. 
And you see how stinking difficult it is sometimes. But, also, your parents are fighting for things that you have no idea about. They're fighting stuff from their past that you won't have to fight because you've been raised in the glorious house of God. And we can give our children to the harvest fields. Titus, in our scripture too, uh, six and eight, six through eight. Likewise, you young men, be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works and doctrine, and showing integrity, reverence, incorruptible, sound speech that cannot be condemned. Here is instruction specifically to young people. You know what I say? There's this weirdness that people kind of have this idea that people have to backslide. Or, and nobody says it, but it's kind of like, it's just sort of there, you know, all the kids, the teenagers, they're all a bit of rebels, and you know, uh, they're all going to be stupid. And You know, I think that kids, if you're going to do something stupid, do it for God. Like, Tell your principal they're going to go to hell or something. <laughs> you know, do, do stupid things that are in the context of the kingdom of God. Because, you know, young people, we are going to do stupid things. But why? I just, I hate that idea. Why do we think that young people have to backslide? That is ungodly. And it is wrong. And why can't they grow up? In the house of God. And serve Jesus Christ all the days of their life. I was 17 when I got saved. I wish I'd have been three. I say we raise up young people with another kind of a spirit than the generation. That our young people, there be something different about them. There's a spirit, and there is a spirit on our young people that is different than the world. I was sitting with Tony and April last night, and Miranda, their daughter's 13, and I'm looking at her, and there's, there's a something different about her than the little girls of the world. And I'm telling you what, if that's not worth fighting for, I don't know what is. If that's not an ambition for our churches to see our young people and our converts raised up to do something for the living God. And I resent that our young people would have to backslide. And I want to remind you that what we're talking about, this is sound biblical doctrine that we would teach these things. Verse 11, it says, I love this. For the grace of God that brings salvation 
has appeared to all men. I don't even know how to tie it in, except I love it. <laughs> He's actually kind of starting a new thought, but I just, it's so good, I had to leave it there. <laughs> the grace of our God that brings salvation to a lost world has appeared to all men. Well, I have more to say, but I'm running out of time. So I have to decide what I want to say last. See, together, we would conspire to raise up godly workers for God. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, and it's probably because I have young people, I mean, I have, yeah, whatever. I have kids. <laughs> Acts two seventeen and 18. In the last days. These days. These last of the last days. These days. Listen. In the last days. Says God. Our God who reigns forever. has looked down upon planet Earth and says, in these days, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will dream dreams and old men will see visions and on my men, servants, and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. And I say, oh God, pour out your spirit upon our people, upon our converts, upon our children, upon our churches. Yeah. What I wanted to say, too. <laughs> what I wanted to see, what I wanted to say is that young people, you ought to get ready to pioneer. By the time you hit about 12, you ought to be saying, sweet, I'm going to get ready to pioneer. If you're not called to pioneer, you see it to that all of your buddies that are called, dude, I'm going to go make money. I'm going to support you. Go. <laughs> For real. I'm not kidding. You have debt? I'll pay it so you can go. Let's work together. Hallelujah. And conspire together to raise up workers for God. Uh, praise the Lord this morning. Who's in charge? Pastor Wilder.